Welcome back to School of Science Radio Podcast. I'm Gino Ganello, joined, uh, as always, by Matthew Chandler. And this week, uh, a special guest, um, Am Arvind. He works for the uh, uh, Real Madrid SB Nation page. Um, Am, how's it going today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. And we're having you on to discuss, obviously, the big news um, relating uh, to, I guess, Everton and Real Madrid um, with... um, Let's make sure we get this right. Um, is it Hamas Rodriguez, James Rodriguez? What's the correct pronunciation of his name so that we can get it right, um, you know, as, as we hopefully uh, have him locked up here shortly? It's Hamas Rodriguez. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have tripped up on that. An Indian newspaper, I think it was the Hindu, um, had a rather embarrassing headline a while back where um, they said the name is uh, Rodriguez James Rodriguez, and it didn't really work because it was Hamas. And yeah, a lot of people tripped up on that. So I think, yeah, it's good for everyone to know going in how you actually pronounce his name. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, you know, we don't, we don't want to get that wrong. That's always important, especially if we're going to be saying a lot here in the near future. Um, so obviously, just let, before we, uh, you know, get into any questions, um, let's go through a couple of the details um, surrounding this deal. Everton hopeful of completing a deal in the region of 20 million pounds for uh, the 29-year-old Thomas Rodriguez by the end of the week, um, reporting having a medical, reportedly having a medical today, which is the day of recording Wednesday. Um, it's believed to be a three-year deal, and we'll see him with uh, reunited with Ancelotti, who signed him at Real Madrid in 2014 and had him on loan at Bayern in 2017. So, um, you know, Thomas uh, signed for Real in the summer of 2014, like I just mentioned, for about 70 million pounds on the back of. Six World Cup goals for Colombia. He won the Golden Boot in that World Cup. Could you just sum up for us James Rodriguez's uh, Real Madrid career? Well, essentially, it started off amazing. Um, 2014-15 season, uh, Real Madrid lose a key, key player in Angel Di Maria. There was issues about wages and all of that, and he's gone. And that, that was like an engine of Ancelotti's system that basically created – um, necessary ball security in midfield, but it allowed for Cristiano Ronaldo to essentially become a second four because Di Maria would go wide and all of that. And Ancelotti essentially, to a certain extent, wanted Hamas to replace that. And it wasn't a perfect um, uh, like for like in the system, but Hamas did much, much better than I personally expected. He worked really hard defensively. And he showed that in certain areas, he was even more creative player than Di Maria was. And the 14-15 season was amazing. He was named, I think, La Liga midfielder of the year. 15-16 season started off similarly well. But that's kind of when he, he, had, he had injury troubles in the 14-15 season. But then in the 15-16 season, it hit him even harder. Um, and when he came back, Real Madrid were in a bad place with Benitez, right? He gets sacked. Zidane comes in. And soon enough, Zidane decides the solution for Real Madrid is not to have all these playmakers in midfield. What we need is defensive stability. And so he plays Casemiro in midfield alongside Modric and Kroos. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for Hamas in terms of him being a starting figure at Real Madrid. The 2016-17 season, he was essentially a substitute. He was a bench player. And he obviously wasn't too happy with that. There was a loan to Bayern Munich that... It took, in, my, in my opinion, he performed really, really well there, but injuries just kept coming back at him, which I think is kind of the underrated story of his career thus far. And so he comes back to Real Madrid because Bayern Munich are right. They look at, I think they look at this injury situation and they're like, this isn't the greatest investment for us in the long term. 
he comes back to Real Madrid and it's, it's, he's barely played essentially because Zidane already knows that he doesn't want him that for whatever reason, Hamas doesn't fit Zidane's requirements. And so he's, he's kind of petered out and it's been a very low key end to his Real Madrid career. And I think his stock has really, really fallen because of that. And I think to a certain extent, people actually underrate how well he played in the beginning and his current ability. Um, I mean, he only had one season at Real Madrid under under Ancelotti before Ancelotti was sacked. Um, do you, do you think Ancelotti is the manager who got his best Real Madrid form out of him? Like how yeah. how is his form post Ancelotti compared to that first season? Do you think? I think. Ancelotti understands perfectly how to use Hamas. And I think Hamas is the type of player that Ancelotti likes and likes to rework into certain situations. Like I, there, there's a certain type of like elegant playmaker who Ancelotti can make work in any kind of system, just because he started off doing that with Pirlo. He's done it with Kroos. He's shown that with more advanced playmakers like Hamas and Hamas, Hamas is a more versatile player than I think people give him credit for. Like people see him as a number 10 and they're like, well, he doesn't really fit anywhere. And I think that's kind of how Zidane saw him. But Hamas can play essentially in three different positions. I think he can play in the attacking midfield position, which is probably his best. But he can also play wide on the right, which I assume is what Ancelotti is going to do with him at Everton. Um, And he can also play in right central midfield. And Ancelotti knows how to use him in all those positions. And I think he's been just as good in instances as he was in his first season at Ancelotti. Um, with Ancelotti, especially in his first season at Bayern, I just think the injury history with him cannot be underrated. And whenever he got some rhythm going, whenever he started really playing well, I mean, he, he was out for like a third of the season or something like that. And, and it's prevented him from, I think, continuing his rise into the elite of Europe. You mentioned that his best position was was in that center center midfield role. Why was that his be- best position, in your opinion, compared to um, obviously that right mid role, that right winger role, or, or that um, right central mid role? Um, so I think the attacking midfield position is the best for him just because Hamas, um, in terms of his defensive qualities, because I think attacking-wise, between the right mid position, the central attacking mid position, it doesn't change that much because he likes to occupy the right half space regardless. So when he plays on the right, he's not really a winger. Um, To a certain extent, he kind of does what Messi does where he comes in size, occupies that right half space role, likes to play balls over the top, likes to play through balls, likes to be that creative hook from that side. Um, In the central midfield position, he just kind of does it from a deeper area. He's a good ball progressor and all of that. But I think the defense is kind of what makes him playing higher up better thing. And it, I don't think it's a thing It's a thing to do with effort, which is what a lot of it has been pinned on him and which is why a lot of people have said Zidane doesn't really want to play him in midfield. I just think it has to do with certain weaknesses. I think Hamas is a very good presser because he works hard. Um, he, he has good stamina. He has a good engine. But when he's put in deeper defensive positions, his awareness just isn't at the same level as a more defensive-minded central midfielder. And you know, he's not the fastest player in the world, right? He doesn't cover that much ground. So if you get in behind him, he's not going to be like a Fede Valverde at Real Madrid who is able to just eat up all that space and recover. And Zidane values that quite a bit. And so if you play him in the number 10 position, what you essentially do, or even a right mid position to a certain extent, you hide some of his defensive frailties deeper and he can focus on what he does best, which is more pressing actions higher up the pitch. 
Yeah. Um, can I just follow up to that quickly? Would you say because Everton played a lot in in four four two formation with Ancelotti? Um, if Everton stick with that, do you think he would be better better placed in like a deeper central midfield or say right wing? I think right wing. Um, what a lot of people say was Ancelotti's peak football at Real Madrid was the 4-4-2 in 2014-15 towards the beginning of the season when Bale was injured and Isco played on the left and Hamas played on the right. I think, I think that's a natural fit for Hamas's position, playing a kind of like midfield role where he can come a little bit deeper, where he can, he can exchange from providing support, almost like a midfield three and then going back out wide. I think that's a really good position for Hamas, and I don't have any worries about his fit in that formation, especially when Ancelotti is there. Um, so, obviously, last season, he uh, came back from Bayern after the, the two years that he spent on loan there, obviously signed by Ancelotti there shortly before Ancelotti lost his job at Bayern. Um, but last season, he only made 14 appearances, eight in La Liga, five starts. Um, just looking at his injury... History last season um, on uh, on transfer market said he, had, he said he had four injuries, one of which was like a was a ligament injury which kept him out for a while. Was that injury problem as much to do with why he didn't play so much, or do you think did Zidane just not rate him, or why why do you think he got considerably less game time last season? Well, I mean, the injuries are obviously a factor if he there's just no way he can come onto the pitch. But the simple fact is that Zidane doesn't prefer him. Um, I, I don't think it's a personal thing like it seems to be with Gareth Bale now, where it's just Zidane and Bale don't see eye to eye and it's just over between the two of them. Um, I, whenever Hamas has kind of spoken, like it's not like he's been quiet necessarily about his displeasure with the situation but nothing has ever really been named at Zidane, just more of like, I work hard. I don't understand why I'm playing. And the, the way I can figure it is there's, I think maybe a, there's like, I think two possible reasons essentially. And one I'm more sure of, which is that though Hamas can play on the right perfectly fine, there's a certain profile of winger that Zidane likes. If you just think about Lucas Vasquez, who, who, if we're being honest, like his technical quality and all of that is not is not near the ability of James Rodriguez's. Zidane seems to prefer that type of player a lot more, a more traditional winger who who keeps the width of the pitch, whips crosses in from the right hand side. Whereas James, like I said, will be more of that playmaker who's coming inside, um, will cut inside, play through balls, try to be more involved and build up from that side. Whereas, you know, unless you're a Cristiano Ronaldo or you're an Aiden Hazard of that kind of ilk. I don't think Zidane is going to adjust the system for you. And th- those are basically the only two wide players that don't really seem to fit what Zidane's, the, the type of profile that he likes. Like if you think of Marco Asensio, who, you know, you think he's more of that playmaker type like Hamas and all of that. And I personally argued for him to play on the right more. For a very long time, Zidane has just played him on the left because he wants his wingers to keep with. He wants them to stay wide. He wants them to put crosses in the box. And Hamas doesn't really have the speed to play on the left-hand side, right? If you're going to do that, if you're going to play him out wide, it's probably better that he does so on the right-hand side. And so that's, in terms of that position, that makes a lot of sense to me as to why Zidane doesn't want him. The central midfield one is more interesting because I think it's just he doesn't fit into the core of Zidane's midfield that Zidane just hasn't rotated. Like in the three-peat era, Casemiro, Modric, Kroos, those were always going to be the guys. 
James was, was always going to be a substitute if he was going to break into the midfield. And then as kind of Modric aged out, Valverde essentially came over and took over and is doing a lot of the things that Modric does, especially on the defensive end. And if you look at Casemiro's numbers, for example, and Kroos's numbers, they just always play. It doesn't matter. Essentially, in that respect, lockdown was a boon for Real Madrid because those guys were getting gassed and it gave them a lot of rest. And then we went on this amazing run to the end of the league. Um, it, it's kind of the same situation with Marcos Llorente, right? Like who you think fits what Zidane likes, but Zidane said, you're out because I'm sorry, unless you're happy playing two games a season. I mean, there's no room for you here because Casemiro is always going to play. And it's just, to me, Zidane has a certain core that he will almost never rotate. And at the same time, more and more as Ronaldo left, he's valued defensive stability over, over everything. Like Real Madrid's offense was not amazing this season or last season. It was defense that, that won us the title. And James obviously is going to you know, lean you more towards an offensive mentality. So I think for those variety and mix of reasons, it's just never worked out for James under Zidane. You mentioned, obviously, you talk a lot there about, you know, Zidane and how he doesn't fit into that system. Um, and that's a lot of why he didn't play. Would you, uh, you know, Everton have signed quite a few players in their late 20s on big money with little return. Um, you know, is Hamas past his best now? Or, you know, do you think that he can bring what he brought maybe in that 2014 season or, or when he was, you know, on the pitch, you know, providing his best? to Everton um, under Ancelotti, you know, is it too late for that? Or, or is that, you know, something you see happening when he transfers over to Everton, um, hopefully in the near future here? It all depends on injury, in my opinion. If magically um, that's solved, then I personally think there's no reason for at least one season, because he's 29 years old right now, that he really plays well. Because even if you look at, his past seasons, his injury-ridden seasons, even if you look at the few times that he's played for Real Madrid this season, his underlying numbers are incredible. Like the number of chances he creates, the quality of chances he creates consistently are up there with the very, very best players in the world. But that's only so valuable when you can only play like half the season. And it takes, you know, maybe like a sixth of the available games for him to get back into rhythm because he's constantly on and off the injury table. So it really depends on injury for me. And I think, honestly, because of injury, that's a, that's a good enough reason alone to be skeptical that this is a valuable transfer for Everton, especially given what you mentioned, right? He's old. Resale value is going to be minimal. Um, and so I think Ancelotti is betting quite a bit on the fact that he can – the Everton medical staff can keep James Rodriguez fitter than Real Madrid's medical staff and Bayern's medical staff. And I, I mean, I don't know whether that's makes sense or not. I don't know if there's some approach that Everton takes that like can do that, but it it is a big risk. And that's something as much as I love James, as much as I believe in his ability, as much as like, I think the, the advanced numbers and the evidence backs up that whenever he plays, he makes a huge impact. If he's out for half the season and Everton, my understanding is you don't have the greatest finances and you spend 20 million in like a pandemic and all of that, then yeah, I think it is reasonable to consider whether it was the greatest investment in the world. Yeah, that was going to be my question. I mean, just to, to round it off then overall, would you, do you think considering he's 29, um, considering the injuries that he's had, um, is 20, you know, if it, if it is 20 million and if it is a three year deal, um, would you say that's good business for Everton? 
I would say it's risky business. Um, I, I, I hesitate to say it's bad just because I know maybe this is just my bias speaking, but I just know what Hamas can do and I know what he can do under Ancelotti. And even if it's only like two third of the season or something, I think he would easily be your best player. Um, and obviously I'm not an Everton expert, so I don't know if you disagree with that or not, but I just know what Hamas's quality is and what it can be. Um, I would, I would worry though, like, even if he's playing a right mid role, again, I don't have the greatest understanding of Everton, but what I've heard is that like your midfield ball progression wise, like not the strongest area. So just the one thing I'm concerned about is can you get Hamas in the right positions to make that level of impact? Because Hamas can come deep. He can carry your ball progression and he's actually very good at that. It's just that it could be a case of getting him to do too many things so that you dilute what he can do in the final third a bit. And so that makes, I think that's another thing to think about in terms of the equation and, you know, in terms of wear and tear on his body, if you're making him do more on the pitch, obviously that's not great knowing his injury history. Yeah. I I mean, as we'll, you know, me and Matthew will discuss in a little bit, um, you know, hopefully Everton are going to get those type of midfielders in in the near future, obviously Allen um, getting to medical today and Ducore hopefully getting wrapped up, but um, uh, we appreciate your insight. Uh, we appreciate you giving us the breakdown on, on Hamas Rodriguez. Obviously, we hope, um, and, and, you know, I'm sure, or sure is you, you as well, hope that uh, Hamas does not, um, you know, have those injury risks, but we understand the, the risk of that. And, you know, it's, it's good to get that insight from somebody who's watched him play for, for a significant amount of seasons over the past few years. And um, we just thank you for joining us and, and talking to us about him. No problem, guys. I'm rooting for everything this season. I love Hamas. I love Ancelotti. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Am. Have a good one. All right. See you guys. See you. Thanks again to um, Arvind of the, the Real Madrid um, SB Nation page. Obviously, some really good insight there on Hamas, as we just mentioned. Um, you know, he, uh, he really brought to us kind of like the full lowdown, Matthew, about, you know, what to expect when he comes to Everton. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, the injury news is a little bit tough to – to hear, but I think it's a good way to kind of balance our expectations yeah. when it comes to him. Yeah, and I think um, I remember because I guess there's a, there's a possibility that Evan might announce Alan and Rodriguez on the same day, uh, which kind of reminds me of when they did that with Jordan Pickford and Davy Klassen <laughs> and, you know, the excitement that day about them and, you know, what a disaster, certainly for Klassen, that turned out to be. So my my man- mantra on this is that I will probably celebrate. I try and celebrate any signing when when they play well for Everton. I try not to get you know. I try not to. I guess drink drink the Kool Aid just at the, at the sight of them holding up an Everton shirt because you, you know you don't know how it's going to pan out. And Everton have made too many bad big money signings lately to be you know one hundred percent convinced. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative. I don't think I'm trying to be negative there. I think it's just honest that he's had injuries. There are certain caveats or certain like strings attached, but um, certainly a very high-profile signing for him. Given that, certainly showing a lot of ambition again. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you know, you know, obviously, as we you know heard, the upside is going to be very good. Um, it's just a matter of whether we 
see the upside more than we see the downside of the injuries and whatnot. So we'll see. But um, moving on now to a couple, we mentioned Allen and Ducore as, as a couple of players. Everton also looking at, we've talked about them in, in depth over the past couple of weeks, but specifically Allen we'll look at right now with James Rodriguez. Obviously he's also set to have his medical um, this week. It, you know, looks like today, uh, again, day of recording Wednesday. Um, one of the issues though, that is presented by the current state of the world and the state of the, the country is, um, you know, the quarantine rules regarding, you know, COVID-19 and everything that's happened. Um, as of right now, this is what we know about the quarantine rules. Obviously both players are coming in from outside countries of Portugal and Italy. Um, you know, Hamas, you know, Hamas from Portugal, um, Alan from Italy. We learned yesterday um, that Arsenal, uh, their new signing, um, who Everton was also a- uh, after, um, Gabriel. Gabriel, not sure how to pronounce his last name, and maybe you know Matthew. I think he's just curious by Gabriel. Yeah. Um, new, new transfers coming into the UK from most countries in the continental Europe are subject to a 14-day self-quarantine um, due to COVID-19 restrictions. But per the UK government quarantine exemption list published on August 22nd, Italy and Portugal are both in what they call the travel corridor. Um, and anyone arriving from those two countries, among other countries, um, will not have to self-quarantine. Yeah. So some good news for the toffees there as it looks like if this is true and we're understanding again, we only understand as much as um, you know, as much as you guys do, we don't fully understand this whole ordeal with everything. Um, But as we understand it, it looks like both these players will be able to at least train in some aspect um, as soon as they get, you know, signed by the club. Why, Why is Rodriguez in Portugal? I don't know, but I, that's what I saw. I saw that I know. in Portugal, and I don't know why. Um, yeah. But, I mean, we're hoping that he's in Portugal, I guess. <laughs> I yeah. Guess the, the... But it seems to have been reported. I don't know if it's – doesn't seem like Real Madrid or, like, priests, you know, training in Portugal or anything. But, no. Um, I, I, I guess I, the one thing I would say is that I, I would doubt that either of them are, you know, match fit. So, yes, Tottenham game is in 11 days from now. Um, I would maybe be surprised if they're ready for that one. We obviously have, like, I think three rounds of Carroll Cup games in consecutive weeks after that. So, it may be you're looking at one of those games to bed them in, or maybe the West Brom home game the, the weekend after. Um, I mean, I think but, it's unrealistic for us to expect them to be here for Tottenham, and that's okay. You know, it's just the, the, the nature of where we're at right now. If this is not a COVID-19 year, you know, who knows? Maybe we get these players earlier. They're able to get back in for the preseason. But then again, I mean, if it wasn't COVID-19, the Euros would have gone on this year. So, obviously, that creates a little bit of a uh, um, a little bit of, you know, a problem as well with players getting some extra vacation because they play for their national teams and whatnot. So, these things are always confusing. They're always, you, you never know when these players, you know, let's just be at this point, let's just be happy that these two players are coming to Everton. Um, and, you know, they'll get in the Everton shirt and get on the pitch 
sooner rather than later, um, you know, if all goes well um, with that. Um, in terms of Decore, uh, we, there has been an update since the last time we've talked. Obviously, um, you know, Fabrizio Romano has come out with some things saying that Everton are still in talks. They're in advanced talks. Personal terms have been agreed. Today, um, Greg O'Keefe of The Athletic, along with um, the Watford – yes, uh, just pulling that up right now. Adam Leventhal, uh, uh, the Watford um, the Watford athletic writer, released an article today kind of detailing what Ducore can bring to Everton um, as well as what's kind of going on with the deal right now. And as we know, as, uh, and as, as the, the article has reported, it seems that Ducore has not participated in any of their preseason friendlies um, he's training by himself as he waits for the new club. Watford, I believe, are expecting um, or hoping we're hoping for 25 million pounds. Everton had originally bid around 15 million pounds. Um, so that's kind of the area we should expect for a fee. Um, and, you know, I think today um, there was some – you know, they, they also released that a deal should be done this week in some – form with the season ramping up today there has been rumors floating around that Everton have agreed to a 25 million pound deal um Matthew just we've hit on this a bunch of times already but yeah just real quick 25 million pounds is that something you're okay with for Decore yeah I'm okay it's not my money is it so <laughs> um not really for me to tell Everton how to spend their own money but um I think in today's market, it's pre- pretty reasonable. I actually thought it'd be more, considering what I'd read Watford were demanding, you know, like in the 35 region maybe, but um, I'm not going to complain if I've been getting for cheaper. Um, obviously, he's been relegated, but um, I've always liked Decore when Evan have played him. He was like a real box-to-box, um, sort of all-action midfielder who will, alongside Al- Allen, really add a lot of tenacity, I hope, to that midfield. Um, I know Nigel Pearson kind of played him in a more advanced role as well, and he kind of he seemed to excel certainly at first when Watford had that sort of um, you know real good run of results at first under Pearson. He was kind of you know at the centre of all that, so um, gives Everton options. I actually wonder if, in a weird way, it might be good that we're playing Tottenham first because um, we remember that awful trip to Tottenham two months ago when Evans midfield was so you know supine and, and weak and tepid and didn't even put in a tackle. Um, and I wonder whether that having Tottenham away again as the first game of this season might maybe, you know, spring Ancelotti and Marcel Brands into action and, you know, make sure that the, the wrongs of that night are rectified with a proper midfield going into what is it, a week on Sunday now? So Yeah. Um like like we said, I, I don't know how many if if Alan Rodriguez and Decore are all signed by them, which I think I would expect at least two of them to be. You never know with Evan because it takes ages every time. But yeah, I would I would think you'd like to think at least one of them will start just out of necessity, really, because who else have we got to turn to? You know? Yeah, I um, think um, I think Decore is like. I really like Ducore, and I think, you know, it's just some of the things that I've read about him and his style. I think it fits really well with the other two midfielders that were being linked with very well. And, and sorry, this 
literally right now as I'm looking on Twitter, Fabrizio Romano just tweeted um, this. After completing Wait, here we go. Yeah, here we, exactly. Here we go. After completing deals for James Rodriguez and Allen Everton are now one step away from signing uh, also um, Abdullah Decore. 25 million euros to Watford, possible final fee, but some details still to be resolved. Personal terms, okay. Ancelotti is making business. So looks like that one's, you know, pretty close to being over the line as well. 25 million euros, so obviously a little less in pounds. I think, what is that, 22 million pounds or something like that. Um, I, I think it'll be a good bit of business. I think he could possibly turn out to be the best of all three. I think he's, like you said, when we when we played him, he is. Um, he, he's. He's really shown himself on the pitch and, and really shown what he can do in his quality. So, I think he's a really would be a really good signing for Everton and also a couple of years younger than Hamas and Allen at, at 27. So, yeah. um, you know, obviously always good there um, in terms of age and, and you know how many years he's got left in those legs. So, um, on top of that, we have some news regarding another midfielder um, going the other way. Um, possibly. Gilfie Sigurdsson, it's, it's uh, reported that um, DC United have checked in, um, of the MLS have checked in with uh, Everton about Sigurdsson. Um, it's possible that he could be seen going the other way for somewhere in the region, I guess, of 10 million pounds, I think I've read. Um, yeah. Matthew, anything you want to, uh, you know, anything you uh, want to well, about this? Well, given the wages that we assume Sigurdsson is on and given the fact that we've been linked with three pretty big money midfielders um, I would suggest selling Sigurdsson is a good move because it doesn't make a lot of financial sense to me to have someone earning that much money and just being a bit part player like you're not getting your money's worth and Sigurdsson's 31 next week so there's not Really, there's not that potential still there. Or there's not that room for progression in his in his career. Um, and on the back of obviously a really disappointing season last year, so um, you know, DC obviously bought Wayne Rooney, didn't they? So whether that uh, relationship with Everton maybe might help lend itself to doing another deal. Um, but I would certainly listen to officer. I'd be surprised if we get as much as ten million, to be honest. Just because, what's he got left? Two years on his deal. He's, on a lot, he's already on a lot of money. Yeah, so well, yeah. As, as ten million as, seems quite a lot of money. But. As we broke down, um, as as um, let's see who did the art. I believe Calvin. Calvin. Yeah, Calvin broke this down in the article that he wrote about this. And again, this is a report coming from the Athletic. Again, so pretty um, reliable sources there. Um, but as at um, Calvin broke down for us here and you guys can go read the article as well on the Royal Blue Mercy um, website. We signed Sigurdsson for about 45 million pounds. He's on 5.2 million pound wages per year. Um, that's, just, just, actually, that's, that's not, we, you were assuming that, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. that, yes, like, yeah. so, you we know, don't have Sigurdsson's wage. Exactly, know. exactly. We're just assuming that he's on that if he's on 100k a week or whatnot. Um, say we did end up selling him for 15 million pounds, the wage bill would be reduced by that 5.2 million pound wages. Amortization cost reduces by 9 million pounds and his book value is currently 18 million pounds with those two years left on his $45 million, uh, 45 million pound deal. So if you put all that together, it's a net loss of 3 million pounds. So Everton, you know, end up 
you know, 10 million pounds, obviously it's not the 45 million pounds we sold them for, but you know, it still looks like Everton or, or, you know, no. get them off the books and it, it might be a good bit of business for them as well. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that as, as things progress, because, you know, if Everton bringing these three midfielders um, in Ducore, Allen and uh, Rodriguez or James Rodriguez, um, they'll also have Andres, Go- Andre- Andres Gomez, Gomez, uh, they'll have Davies still. So, you know, if, if Everton want to, uh, you know, it, if, if Ancelotti wants to play that four, four, two, it just, it doesn't seem like there's too much of a, of a space for, Sigurdsson um, in that four four two. No. So we'll definitely. I think it's more forgivable to keep someone like Davis, um, yeah, because he is younger. Yeah, while he was really disappointing as well last season, um, you know, you can make allowances for him because he's twenty two, and yeah. the fact that there is still time on his side to improve. Um, I suppose he played a lot of games now for Everton, and, and rightly, I think a lot of fans are either not sure or. It made up their minds that they don't like him. Yeah, uh, but he's also not on the same anywhere near the same wages I would imagine as Sigurdsson. So um, it makes more financial sense to have someone like Davies as a squad player or a, you know second string player than it does Sigurdsson. Uh, and I, I made the same. I made it point in our in our Slack chat, but I would suggest that the same thing applies to Bernard on the wings as well. Doesn't doesn't look like we're in for many wingers at the moment, um, but if we do add reinforcements there, I would suggest that maybe you should look at getting him off the books because again, Bernard isn't gonna if Bernard is not gonna play, then if we are paying him, you know, what is supposedly in the region of hundred and twenty thousand a week. Yeah. Can't really see the logic in keeping him there. Yeah. Uh, know, and also on D sorry, go on. No, there is reports in terms of wages. There are reports of of um Sandro Ramirez you know, possibly having a suitor, which could get some of the, his wages off the book, which is astronomical compared to, I guess, yeah. the amount he's played and, and especially his fee that we yeah. got him for. Um, but, and then of course you have Anthony Gordon in terms of those wingers, which we'll talk about a little bit, um, who yeah. could find his, you know, space in this team as well. Yeah. So, but also on DC, I was going to say, but, uh, just a quick look. Um, two of them midfielders are, Currently sidelined as well, yeah. uh, Flores and uh, Martins. Yeah. Um, so obviously there is maybe a, a gap that needs filling there. Um, I didn't watch much of Rooney for DC. I don't know if you did, but it looked like he really excelled in that league. And I don't know whether it's because it's a it's a slower pace and, and more to his to his speed now, and whether yeah. it's going to be the same. Sigurdsson is obviously the same similar kind of player, quite slow. Uh, quite not pedestrian, but um, you know, can only go so fast and, and likes more time on the ball, maybe. And whether you, do you think he would get that in the MLS? Well, I, from what I've understood from what Rooney's experience was and what Pirlo's experience was, and those types of players who, who have been big names in Europe and come over to the, the MLS, um. While it is a little bit of a slower pace, it's also a lot more taxing on their bodies. And that's, I guess, what would worry me about Sigurdsson, being that his legs are also already basically shot with how much he's played so much for Iceland and for us. Um, obviously, Rooney's legs were shot too, but I feel like, I don't know, 
I feel like Sigurdsson might feel the effects of that a little bit more in the MLS. But I mean, again, as as you know, Sigurdsson is left. If he gets transferred to DC United, it's not our problem anymore. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a DC United fan when it comes to the MLS. So. Um, so is not in the Iceland squad, by the way. Yeah, no, he's not. But I, it's got to be the first time he hasn't been included in the Iceland squad, obviously by his personal decision um, in forever, because it feels like he plays every single match for them. Um, but, yeah, some you know something I definitely look out for as we continue to look for Everton to get some of these wage wages and, and players off the books um, as they bring in some of these, these new guys. Um, another guy that – they're reported to be looking at, uh, reportedly looking at. Um, it looks like they're close to agreeing a deal with Manchester United for goalkeeper Sergio Romero. Uh, Romero's 33 years old. Uh, apparently a loan deal is on the table, but United are looking to sell. West Ham and Leeds are also said to be interested. Uh, this is coming from Peter Harding, who's a freelance journalist um, focusing on Man United and Man City. Uh, Matthew, opinions on this business? I think uh, I think that maybe the biggest beneficiary of this will be Jordan Pickford, because uh, I think if I think Romero will give him more serious competition, and that might uh, push Pickford on to rediscover his best form. Um, I do actually like Romero. Um, obviously, second choice at United, you'd imagine he's now going to be third choice with Dean Henderson back from from Sheffield United. Um, but he's always, I mean, I've seen people say he's the best second-choice goalkeeper in the league, which I probably agree with when, whenever I've seen him in the Europa League or FA Cup. He always looks like a really solid keeper. Yeah. Um, I mean, my only issue with this transfer, really, and, it, and it's kind of snobbery, I guess, and it's not really fair on Romero, is that I, mean, I am just a bit sick of the signing you know, Manchester United rejects. Well, not rejects, but, you know, they're, they're unwanted players. Yeah. Um, I was speaking to one of my friends who's a United fan and he said, you know, we'll, we'll be signing Jesse Lingard next and, you know, Phil Jones or Chris Smalling or whatever. Um, but is Romero an upgrade on what we've got? Well, yeah, in terms of he's a better, he would be a better second choice keeper than I think Jonas Losel is. Yeah. Um, but you don't know what Jao Virginia is. I mean, I, actually, I would actually make Romero number one and, say to Pickford well there you go win your place back now um, because I think that would really drive Pickford um, <laughs> but no but do you know what I mean it's like if, if you have good competition for places you see that with oh, yeah I mean I, you know, with Baines I mean I think Baines for example was so good even to the end that he drove Luca Dean on to be as the best he could be um, yeah no ab- absolutely but you know I think the problem with Pickford, as we we find ourselves talking about this again, as we always do, um, it's just you need to have that feeling that he's being pushed. Like, I understand what you're saying. He, need, he needs to have that feeling that he's being pushed because yeah. I feel like, you know, with Jonas Lossol or, or with Joe Virginia or, or Stecklenburg, I feel like he's probably had that feeling that he's had it pretty locked up and they haven't really wavered from that. So maybe Sergio Romero brings in a feeling of, fighting for that spot and 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 you know if he doesn't put in a couple of good performances he could be sitting on the bench one week uh pickford but um but it, you know it's always good to have competition it's never bad to have competition um and especially for a player like you know pickford who has had his ups and downs maybe it's it's good for him to have that competition specifically 
to make him a better player and I guess maybe make him a little bit more focused as well. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as well. So, you know, a bunch of things to keep an eye on here um, as Everton move forward. And, you know, obviously looking also at some depth um, at other positions, maybe a right back. So um, we'll see how all of that plays out. Still a couple months left in the transfer window or a month and a half or whatever it is. So a, a lot of time left to, to get these deals over the line. Mm-hmm. In terms of just some other business that Everton have been doing inside the club, um, a couple five-year deals for a couple of their players. First off, Michael Keane got a five-year deal. Um, and then Anthony Gordon, as I mentioned before, uh, he got a five-year deal as well. Um, good bit of business for by Everton to lock these guys up for the, uh, for the foreseeable future, Matthew? I think, I think Gordon is undoubtedly good business. Um because you, you know, you're protecting a potentially very valuable asset. Yeah. Um, and I really liked the look of Gordon. I know he only played 11 games last year, only started four. But I just, I just really like his, his attitude and his, his drive. Um, and I also I would say on Gordon, I would like him to not be loaned out. Yeah. I, I'd like him to stay and fight for his place. Even that, he, I would rather him play, say, 20 Premier League games for us than play every championship game. Yeah. Because I think we've seen too often these kids who have, we've talked about this bit piece a few weeks ago, but, and uh, Al Bretton, um, but, you know, we see these kids who have a few good games for Everton's first team, get loaned out to championship teams or League One teams, and then we never see them again. You know, Benningamy being, Benningamy being probably, or Kieran Dowell being like the, the two most pertinent examples recently. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> Andy Jordan, I think is good enough to be in our first team already. Um, and I would like to see Ancelotti keep faith with him. So really pleased he's tied down. Uh, as regards Michael Keane, I think he only had two years left. So I can see the, the, the sense in extending it. I was just maybe a bit surprised that it was as long as five years. Um, because, I mean, even now, if we don't sign a centre-back, and I don't think we will by, say, the Tottenham game, would your starting eleven have key in it? I don't think mine would. I think mine would be Mina and Holgate, personally. I don't know. I, Holgate and Keane played pretty well, I think. I don't think they played poorly. I think Keane found some really good form towards the end of the season. Um, I mean, I, I think it's – for me, I think it's probably a toss-up between Mina and, and uh, Keane. I mean, Holgate's the obvious choice mm-hmm. for, um, you know, one of the center back positions, and then it's a toss-up between the other two. Um, obviously, uh, I guess Mina has a more, um, I guess... Uh, I think Keane's more limited. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I, I think Keane might be a little bit quicker, though, than Mina. I might be wrong on that. I don't think, Keane, I don't think Keane's quick. I don't think Keane's quick either, but I don't think Mina's no, quick. I know, I know you're not saying Mina's quick. I just I don't think. You see the way Michael Keane turns and how slow. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. I, I'm not a bad player. I just I was surprised at him. Maybe I, feel like, I feel like he and – just because of how injured Mina has been, I feel like he Keane and, and Holgate have a better, I guess um, – like, they're better together. They're better together just because they played more together. Um, but I, I mean, for me, it's if it's Keane, if it's Mina, it it doesn't matter for me who plays in the center back because I think it's okay. it's it's a flip of a coin. I think it will be Keane and Holgate actually. I think so too. I think 
didn't mean to have some injury problems still or he was kind of only only just easing his way back into training so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but one thing I would say about Michael Keane is we talk a lot about players who lack maybe total commitment to Evan and I don't, I don't think you could ever say that about Michael Keane He's, he always seems to give his best and seems like a very honest and nice guy and you know, is is he's not the best centre back Evan have ever had. He's far from that, but and he has you know limitations. But yeah, I think he's he's a solid enough squad player, um, at least if not a starter. Um, so yeah, like I said, maybe a bit surprised five years, but not overly surprised Evan offered him a new contract. Yeah, no, same, same. And then on Anthony Gordon as well. I I agree with you. I think that he should stay with Everton, especially due to our winger situation and kind of what we're looking at there at the current moment. Um, you know, I, I think it's best that he probably stays, tries to, excuse me, fight for a position on the club at the club. And, uh, you know, I, I think he could be a really solid player for us and really good, maybe, maybe just even a really good substitute off the bench, um, you know, in, in, in yep. you know, a time where we need somebody like him. Um, and then the final bit of news, Blackburn friendly initially scheduled for Tuesday was canceled. Um, obviously, presumably due to COVID, uh, Blackburn is still in lockdown. Um, so Everton have just one more preseason match um, home to Preston on Saturday, September fifth, before their first game of the season versus Tottenham on September thirteenth. What are you looking for in this final preseason match before we get into things? Um, well, so not to be three 0 down after eleven minutes would be a start, wouldn't it? Um, just a little bit. Just, uh, you don't have to really read too much into preseason games, but I think it would be nice to maybe see someone like Holgate as captain. I know we talked about this last week, but again, if all these midfielders come in, I don't see Guilfi Sigurdsson as being Everton captain. Yeah, very often. Um, more defensive solidity than we showed against Blackpool. Just aside from the three goals, I thought we got pretty shaky in that game. And obviously, there's a lot of rotation and change of personnel and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think um, if if the Blackpool game was before, if we went into the Tottenham game on the back of another Blackpool-esque performance, then it would probably sap my already low confidence about Tottenham away. (laughs) Yeah, no, we were talking about this before. I Again, I think we both have pretty low confidence just because of... Uh, the fact that probably most of the players that we or all the players we sign are not going to be ready in time for that match, and and we won't see really anything new on the pitch from from oh, what, we, what we're used to um, or what we've seen recently. Um, Let's see, see another run out for and Kunku. Maybe I was just about to say the same thing. That was exactly my next point. And Kunku, I'd like to see um, get even some even more time and see a good run out out of him, just to kind of give us an idea of where he yeah. is. I guess. Because that left back depth position is, you know, that backup left back position is, is an important, you know, an important role. Because obviously, Dean had his injuries last year. Yep. Um. So we're going to need somebody to fill that role, and and I think we need to figure out whether Nkunku can do that, or if, I mean, I I think we still need depth, and I think you agree with that. And I think we've talked about this. I think we still need another player at that position, but um. It'll be interesting to see if he can. I, I would like to see him get another run out and, and see if yeah. he can, you know, prove himself even more as, uh, you know, in another preseason friendly. 
Yeah, I would also go for Lossell in goal just because yeah. I don't think you're going to learn anything new about Pickford, whereas maybe get a bit more of a barometer of, of Lossell, maybe. And like the um, goalkeepers, yeah. Yeah, and Anthony Gordon, I would start. <coughs> Excuse me. Moise Keane, I would start as well. Hopefully try and get him a goal just to uh, you know, boost his confidence maybe a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was good. We got Dominic Carver-Lewin got his goal in the last match. Gilfie obviously had a couple goals, um, but I think it'd be good to get Moise Keane scoring. Um, probably going to need to see Richarlison get a little bit of time, you know, maybe 20 minutes just to see, you know, just to get him out there because um, if not, then he won't have played any, you know, games against another opponent before the start of the season. Um, just to get him some, you know, some work and, We'll see how the rest of uh, the squad shapes up. But some things certainly to look out for in this match. Obviously, can't put too much stock into it, but it'll be good to see, um, you know, some of the, I guess, uh, second-string players get some runouts and, and kind of see what we're dealing with in terms of depth um, as well as we go into this this new season, this funky season with uh, packed schedule and um, – you know, all the things that are going to come of it and hopefully a good season, but we'll see. Um, that's it for us today. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week as always. Uh, Matthew, thank you for joining me as always. Um, again, thank you to um, Arvind uh, of the Real Madrid uh, SB Nation page for joining us and we'll talk to you guys next week. 